Welcome to Saving the Game. This is episode 53, Humility, part 14 of our Virtues and Vices series, recorded Thursday, December 11th of 2014, with your hosts, Grant, Peter, and Brandon. Welcome to Saving the Game, I'm Grant. I'm Peter. And I am the destroyer of the mainframe, also known as Brandon. Do I even want to know why you're calling yourself the destroyer of the mainframe? <laughs> it took me a few seconds to decide if I even wanted to ask. Ah, uh, new game. I I played a crazy character who destroyed a computer that everyone else thought was really, really awesome and good. And nice. I'm assuming this was a historical game because it mentioned mainframes. Uh, kind of. It was really weird superhero. It's... Mystic Imperium, I believe. It's it's an odd system. Really good world creation. Although the deck drawing mechanic for storytelling is iffy, in my opinion. Fair enough. Well, and I think a lot of people who do fiction of any type or game design have decided that the word mainframe sounds a lot cooler than server. So Yes, but they're also wrong. I know. You are preaching to the choir here, but because I've seen the hard. They also on think you can hack passwords one digit at a time. Yeah, okay, <laughs> fair enough. Anyway, enough about that. From all of us here at Saving the Game, Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas, everybody. This is gonna drop right around then, give or take a few days, right? I believe so, yeah. It's gonna at least drop before New Year's, so that's something. Uh we have a whole bunch of news. Which is awesome. Peter, you want to start? Yeah, uh, Sojourn Volume 2 is out, and once again, I am published in it. Hooray! I have a story called Winter Mercy in there, so if you're interested in reading some of my short story writing, pick that up and check it out. Yep. It did pretty well on Amazon first couple of days after release, so that's pretty exciting. It did phenomenally well on Amazon. We were all kind of shocked, actually. That's good. I really should buy mine. I didn't help. I'm sorry. Yeah, I got my author copy today. It's a brick. It's like twice the size of the last one. 32 stories instead of 15. That's so. uh, that's sizable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Sojourn, number two, go get it. Uh, there'll be a link in the show notes. Second thing, Bodana Group. We are still fundraising for them. And if you are listening to this on the Tuesday it drops, you have about 24, maybe 36 hours to donate because we wrap up. On December 31st, the good news is we have actually passed our fundraising goal as of our recording Yay. in mid-December. So that's really awesome. So all of you who donated, thank you. So we can stop giving the money to them and start taking the money for ourselves. Oh, if no. only it worked that way. Oh, wait, no, because they need more money and it's going to be awesome for them. Darn it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you know, anything that helps Jack and company get that book about therapeutic role-playing that they're working on written is just awesome in my book yes i oh, yeah. want that thing i want it bad <laughs> yeah i'm looking forward to it there are several people i need to buy a copy for yeah let's see uh what else do we need to hit on oh i there is one thing i did want to plug um and this is going to take a moment and i apologize if you are not a member of the saving the game community on google plus Frankly, shame on you. Yes, shame on yeah. you. Yeah, stop listening right now. We don't want you. Go, go. <laughs> no, no. Cut no, that. No. Edit that out. Because what we really want you to do is join the Saving the Game community 
on Google Plus and participate and enjoy yourself because there are some really good people who hang out there and do a lot of good stuff. One thing I did want to mention in particular is there's a thread in the uh, community now where I'm asking for suggestions for ways to improve what we do as a podcast and as a informal sort of community in 2015. I've had some good suggestions already, but if you have suggestions that you can come up with, we would love to hear them. If you want to post them in that thread there, that would be great. If you want to send them to us in some other way, our email addresses are on the savingthegamepodcast.org website. You can always send us messages on Facebook, just message the page. You can tweet them to us. You can... Uh, I think more esoteric methods are probably not going to be very useful. Well, so. if you want to reach out to the hosts individually, if you're friends with us on social media, hey, that's awesome. If you want to drive down and have a long conversation with me about it over coffee, hey, awesome. Yeah. It's an excuse to go out for coffee. Divine with me through tea leaves. That'd be cool. <laughs> it's probably the best way to reach me right now. Yeah, you're hard to get a hold of. <laughs> You have been busy, apparently. Yeah, I think the next time we need to get a hold of uh, Brandon Grant, we just hire the guys in the black kidnapping van to grab him off the street after work. It's, and just it's, They're not even going to grab him. him they're just going to leap out of the van and hand him a phone. Yeah. It's like <laughs> the reverse go. of a kidnapping. Anyway, if you have suggestions, send them to us. People to interview, things we can do as community activities, uh, format things you'd like to see, things you'd like us to cover, topics anything uh anything at all any cartoon drawings of us that i mentioned in the last live episode yeah more live episodes whatever right <laughs> we're gonna have a our usual new year's resolution episode and we'll probably touch on some of those in there as well but be thinking of them and don't hesitate to send them our way uh the next thing helpful for us as a community and a podcast if you enjoy saving the game it is a huge help to us if you share out Saving the Game on the social media networks you use. You don't have to necessarily you know, share it out so that we see it, but you know, if there's a particular episode you like, share that out. If there's an episode you think will mean a lot to particular people, share it with them. If there's something uh, that we've done that merits discussion, share that out. It really helps us reach a lot of new people, grow the community of listeners that we're trying to get in touch with, and with luck, reach people who, for one reason or another, are looking for a show like Saving the Game, but haven't been able to find it. Every time I post about the show on Reddit or something like that, there's usually someone who goes, oh, cool, I'm going to go check that out. That's always heartening for us, and... It means that there are people who've been looking for saving the game and just haven't found it yet. Yeah. I've noticed a similar phenomenon, at least when I bring it up in a new venue. Yeah. Um, the Fear of the Boot forums are pretty well aware of us at this point, and you know, we're on Facebook, so we're pretty easy to find there. But every once in a while, I'll name drop us someplace, and people will be like, oh, really? That sounds cool. I'm going to go look at that. Yeah. All right. With all that out of the way, shall we do our scripture? Yeah, let's. Uh, who wants to take Psalm 131? The whole thing. I'll take that one. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul with me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. 
And then we have Matthew eleven twenty nine to 30. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And our last piece of scripture is Philippians 2, verses 3 to 11. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So our topic tonight is the last one in our Virtues and Vices series, and that's humility. Yay! I know, we're we're done. We have milked this for all it's worth. Actually, that's probably not true. We have to think of content yeah. now. Yeah. There there are more. There oh, are more. Oh, yes, there are. We've yeah. discussed more. This is the last of the seven big pairs. Yes, the paired ones. But yes, we're talking about humility. And humility, of course, contrasted with pride, which we talked about last episode, is, if not the greatest virtue, uh, according to some at least, the root of virtue. Uh, Andrew Murray, talking about humility, describes it as, Christ is the humility of God embodied in human nature, the eternal love humbling itself, clothing itself in the garb of meekness and gentleness to win and serve and save us. Uh, that's similar to what Paul writes in Philippians. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but not thinking of yourself at all. It's putting yourself into a, a servant relationship with others. And this is one of those things that I think, because pride is such a omnipresent failing in us, it's difficult for us to do, but it's one of the most important of these seven, I would say, because it lays the groundwork for many of these other virtues. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, if you're not humble, if you're out there and being all boastful, it's hard to focus on anything else. Pride sort of is the massive thing that blocks everything else out. Yeah, that's true. And maybe in a more positive frame of reference, when you're thinking of others and putting others ahead of yourself, then those virtues of charity and kindness and all the rest, they all become easier because you're not thinking of how these people are disrupting your life, how your friends are imposing on you with, you know, needing help, how uh, giving to the poor hurts your budget for the month. It puts you in the proper frame of mind in understanding that other people need you. Other people need what you can do for them. It's a little tricky because, of course, humility has a couple of different meanings. When we talk about humility and a servant discipleship to others, it's a reflection of our relationship with God. But of course, when we look at God, God does not need anything from us. We understand that our relationship with God is necessarily a humble relationship. It's interesting, though, he he doesn't need anything from us, but he chooses to use us for a lot of things anyway. Right. 
and we're not going to really suss out what those might be without at least some humility in there, I wouldn't think. Yes, absolutely. I think last time, when talking about pride, I wanted to make sure to emphasize that pride is not something God forbids because he is offended by our pride, or humility is something that God demands as a, a due for his own dignity. Uh, and I apologize, there's a toddler who's not sleeping well, so you might pick Unacceptable, that up. Unacceptable, Grant. That's okay, I have a spouse typing in the background and the train is coming too, so... Unacceptable, both of you, you are fired. Anyway. As I wasn't here for the last recording, and it has not been released yet, I have not exactly heard everything you say, but in, in, in my two sense, it's like, you know, it, it's with this humility thing is, you don't have to be like, never taking credit for absolutely everything you do. While being humble is is not... Just never taking what's right or what you need or never owning up to the things you've done or having respect for anything you've accomplished. It's being, it's making sure that that doesn't go overboard, which is something that you do have to keep in check a lot of the time because otherwise you're just focused on yourself. Right. Uh, certainly not doing things for the praise of others is a primary feature of humility. At the yes. same time, if it helps others to receive that recognition, that isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's when that recognition changes your behavior that it becomes yeah, a Or problem. becomes the end. Right. To use a somewhat geekier example, Superman is a fairly classic humble hero, right? The classic line, oh, I'm just doing my job, ma'am, you know, that sort of, I'm just helping out. I'm an everyday hero kind of person who flies around in a bright red cape. But Superman also attends an awards ceremony and accepts the key for, to the city from the mayor of Metropolis because not acknowledging that others want to thank him for those efforts. Well, it's kind of arrogant. It's arrogant and uncharitable. Yeah. I, I think the uncharitable thing is a good observation because if you try and do stuff so stealthily that you're like you know, warning people to be quiet or, you know, that sort of thing when all they want to do is express some gratitude. That's kind of harsh. It is. Now, having said that, there's a bit of hyperbole that Christ himself uses. You know, when he says that, you know, when you're giving, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Do it in secret. And there are plenty of good examples of anonymous donations or people who do things without any expectation of reward or recognition. An example, all of the people who have donated to our charity drive so far are anonymous donors. Yeah. There's not a single person who felt a need to put their name to their donation, which says a lot for our listeners. Yeah. But at the same time, that same sort of selflessness is one of the things that we're after here. Having said that, there's also a certain false humility that we need to avoid. That sort of smarmy, oh, no, it was nothing. Oh, no, no, no. I'm just, I'm not really anything important, which is speaking poorly of yourself, but at the same time, keeping the conversation about you. The point here is to not be talking or thinking about yourself at all, but to be thinking about others. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I don't know that I've really got anything to add to that. That's a pretty good one. I should add here, humility is also not. It's not just a, you know, that false humility of, oh, no, it was nothing. Aren't you glad I'm, you know, so humble? It is also not self-loathing. 
yeah. genuinely disliking yourself is not humility. Well, honestly, I think that, oh, no, it was nothing is, is way more prideful than saying, oh, thank you. Or even just, sure, you're welcome, and then dropping it there. There's a last little passage of the Mere Christianity chapter on pride that I wanted to read here, because this is, I think, a really good example and a good perspective on truly humble people. Do not imagine that if you meet a really humble man, he will be what most people call humble nowadays. He will not be a sort of greasy, smarmy person who is always telling you that, of course, he is nobody. Probably all you will think about him is that he seemed a cheerful, intelligent chap who took a real interest in what you said to him. If you do dislike him, it will be because you feel a little envious of anyone who seems to enjoy life so easily. He will not be thinking about humility. He will not be thinking about himself at all. Yeah. Once again, C.S. Lewis nails it pretty solidly on the head. Yeah. So that's, I think, humility wrapped up pretty well. It is a pretty deep topic, and it's one that I am not particularly well-versed in. There are several different aspects to humility from a biblical and Christian perspective. Um, we're going to touch on those probably more as we talk about them in-game than trying to kind of wrap up the theological introduction here. So I would say, why don't we go ahead and move on to those? What do you think? Yeah, I think that's probably good. Okay. So, Brandon, humble characters. Hate them. Really? Terrible. The worst? Horrible. Yes, the worst. Why is that? Because I'm being contrary right now. Okay, um, fair enough. <laughs> uh, for the most part, uh, it all depends on degrees. The problem with most characters is that when you give a trait to someone in a role-playing game, a lot of times, people tend to play that trait to 11, mm -hmm. rather than, like, to a reasonable degree. And humility and being humble when played to 11 is annoying. Because it gets into the whole, what we've just been discussing. The, the false humility. Yeah. And it just makes people drag out a whole lot longer. Genuinely humble characters are a really good thing to have. Because if a character walks into a, you know, a tavern, kicks the door open, and goes, Ah, I'm the best in the world! And I, I actually kind of had and possibly do have this problem in, in a couple of my games, where certain players are like, But, but I'm this powerful thing! Like... You said I could be this powerful thing, and I'm like, no, I, I said your concept could be this powerful thing, but by the rules, you're just as powerful as everyone else. You did not get special abilities that made you able to do just really cool, awesome things. No, you're equal to all the other players, you just have really cool flavor text. Right. Like, so yeah, you're, you know, you're doing all this really cool stuff, but because what you're wanting to do is so complex... The amount of energy it takes you to do it means that while it, yeah, would do more damage to a person, you're having to extend a whole lot more effort than the guy who's just saying, I shoot him in the face. Right. All right, well, you did a little bit of damage to that guy, and he did a little bit of damage to that guy by shooting him uh, shooting him in the face, and you did an equal amount of damage. While your thing was awesome and, you know, cool, it took a whole lot more energy, so you could only do a small one. Right. All right, so to pull this back to humility, then... Is it that, oh, you're spending a lot of in-game resources? Or is it, hey, you're spending twice as much time in the spotlight narrating as opposed to somebody who's just being casual and well, humble at the table? 
Oh, being a spotlight hog is also a, a horrible, terrible thing. And also, that also gets into where hum, uh, humility at the, at the table can be a bad thing. Because a lot of times, if a player is just like, I'm going to let someone... Uh... Okay, while you're composing your thought about that, I'm going to argue with you a little bit. <laughs> okay. Um, I think that if you have characters that are humble at your gaming table, you have removed one of the primary problems that GMs always complain about, and that is player motivation. Because you have characters that are genuinely selfless and thinking about others, if you drop a problem in the world in front of those characters, they are going to want to solve it because, hey, other people are suffering and we can't let that go. Mm, I would not put that under humility in my mind. I suppose it does fit there, but it, it it's, it's more the side tangent of humility. That's just being a decent person. I, I think humility, like we said, is kind of the... It's the foundation of some of these yeah, other the virtues bedrock upon which this is built right it may be a charitable reaction it may be kindness it may be any number of other virtues that are the proximate virtue to that decision but those things would not happen without a character who's humble and willing to respond to others and you know set aside whatever their primary motivation is in order to help someone with their current problem True, being able to look past your own personal quest, I could see that is a byproduct of humility, and thus a very good thing, because if we're only ever doing stuff about your dad yes. and your daddy issues, well, then everyone else is upset. Yeah. But the other thing that I've seen is it can go to the extreme of, if a player's like, I don't need to speak, I don't need the spotlight, well, then they're just going to fade into the background. Yeah, well, like, they need wallflowering is not quite the same thing, right? Shyness is... Well, I've not seen it be shyness. I've seen it be like... Uh, I've seen people be entirely too giving of their spotlight and time to someone else, mm -hmm. and thus they get none of it. Uh, so they're, they're, it's, it's a little bit of being too generous and too humble to be like, let's let this guy have it. And so it's like, well, we've seen really nothing of your character, and a lot. And sometimes I've heard people get upset, and then they're like, well... There's really nothing for me. Well, that's because nothing is happening in the game. Like, you, you, we're playing with a whole bunch of other people who are like, all right, I have an idea. Right. So I guess it's it's a balance. Well, with... one of the things about humility is that in a community of Christians, it should be a reciprocal sort of relationship, right? With everybody setting other people's needs ahead of them, acting selflessly, everybody's needs should theoretically be addressed, right? Yeah. If you've got one person at the table trying to be humble like this, they may not end up with a lot of spotlight time. But if it's being reciprocated, and I would hope that eventually it would be, well, to be as cliched as we can possibly be, what comes around goes around. Yeah. I think we've kind of moved on <laughs> past the end game stuff to the out of game, but it, it's a point that I think bears reflecting on. In, in many cases, I think players who are inherently humble will tend to make characters who don't need to be in the spotlight all the time, like Peter. Yeah. <laughs> There's a cue to talk if ever anybody has given me one. Uh, okay, so here's here's the thing. One of the things that I think is interesting about, and I kind of want to push back against a little bit of what Brandon's been saying, is I think a lot of humble heroes won't even have a, quote, primary motivation other than this world is an, a less than ideal place and I'm here to help. One of the examples of this archetype that I like to go back to is Captain America, particularly as he's played in the MCU. 
he's a man out of time. You know, like everybody who he knew is gone. You know, they're either ancient or they're dead. Um, and yet he still feels this kind of duty and he has this kind of uh, caretakery relationship towards society where he just kind of wants to make things better for people. He's kind. He doesn't really do a lot of stuff that is solely designed to make his life more pleasant. Uh, some of the other characters have a joke about his lack of a dating life at his expense at the beginning of the second movie. And he really just kind of genuinely wants to be helpful and, you know, be just and make a better society for people to live in. He doesn't have any other central story that he's tracking down. Which, it's all well and good, but there have been times in, for example, in one of the games that I'm currently playing Unknown Armies, partially because uh, at the Haven there's a group of people and there are a couple people who are running Unknown Armies. And I heard Grant go off about, oh, Unknown Armies is so great and awesome and stuff like yes, that. Yes, the so... podcast is in many ways me talking about Unknown Armies and why it's awesome. <laughs> Unknown and Armies so like, and C.S. Lewis, really. Unknown really. Armies and C.S. Lewis, yes. that's It's Grant's soapbox about those two things. <laughs> I've recently tried to play it, and uh, it's it's interesting. It's it's not my favorite game we, We've so had far. enough the Mike's conversation about it, yeah. It was basically like, Grant, why do you like this? This is so horrible, uh, was was the opening line. Yeah, and I explained to Brandon why he was wrong, and yeah. <laughs> I, um, would, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall for that well, conversation. No, it, was, it was mostly, I, I maybe some misunderstandings about what the game is, and I think also maybe some group issues, though I don't want to speak for Brandon on that front. I think partially it was the fact that I didn't understand what was going on, and I had no goals. And a lot of the characters in the game were telling me, look, dude, you want to run. You want to run the other way. Don't get involved in this. And and I'm like, okay. As, as a character, I'm like, well, I really don't have a reason to get involved in it. I'm actually playing a pastor in Detroit, which is fun. But anyway, well, the problem that I had there is one of the things that the GM praised me for was in my, like, inciting incident... I wrote down a whole bunch of stuff that he could use to later bring back up. And he's like, oh my god, this this is great. And because I have this sort of side plot, it added more to the game. So that's why I would hesitate on calling the fact that a humble character not having a side goal to be a good thing. Because if no one has a side goal, well then that robs the GM of ideas and things that they can pull off of and, and and other directions that the story can go. I think there's a difference between... I, I think we're talking about different things here. From a metagame perspective, I think you're absolutely right. Giving the GM something to work on, keeping the rest of the group entertained, making sure there's story, making sure that you're contributing to the story instead of sort of leeching off of it as an out-of-game thing, I think is incredibly important. From the perspective of defining a character as humble or not, though, if when you get inside that character's mindset, I think what Peter's talking about is kind of the wandering do-gooder sort of character, the uh, the necessary yes. barbarian, the the gunslinger who rides into town, deals with a problem, and goes on his way. Maybe he's got his own goal, but that goal is not really what the story is about. The story is about him being there to help out a community kind of for their own sake. My preferred example of that is, say, uh, The Magnificent Seven or 
you know, the original Seven Samurai, where you have the protagonists who are necessary barbarians, people who make civilization safe and in doing so don't have a place left for themselves and have to move on. Yeah, and my preferred example is uh, Gary Cooper's character in High Noon, okay. where he's in this town that he is determined to keep safe despite the objections of the town, basically. Mm -hmm. They're like, ah, you don't really need to do this. And he's like, no, I really know these bad people better than you do. And, you know, he goes around and he tries to get help and nobody will help him. And he finally winds up like, okay, I guess I have to do this by myself. Right. That is a character motivation, not a metagame story decision. You see what I'm saying? It isn't, but they do kind of feed into each other. Yes, yes, to a degree. But we are talking about different things, and that should be understood. Yeah, sorry. Let's see here. Should we drag out a few more examples of this? Or? Well, the one example I did want to talk about, and it's funny that we've been talking about questing here. This sort of questing thing goes all the way back to the Arthurian legends. You have knights out on a quest and doing things for others that, you know, just literally... Beggars coming up, hey, we need you to go help this person who's stuck. And, you know, it's a chivalric sort of thing where there's a code of honor and I will win renown by doing these deeds. It's certainly not selfless, but it's it's got a hint of that that should be called out. It's a useful starting point, though certainly not a perfect reflection of Christ-like humility. So I think that sums up in-game humility. There's Weirdly enough, not a lot to say about it because we all sort of know it when we see it. Yeah. yeah. You had a really fantastic quote in here from Lord of the Rings that I thought would oh, be terrible to the, let the go, The Elrond though. quote? Yes, yes, that Elrond, one. Um, at the Tolkien fans are going to be upset with me. I can't remember what it's really called, but the, the large gathering at Rivendell where the, the Fellowship of the Ring is formed, it's him saying... Uh, this quest may be attempted by the weak with as much hope as the strong, yet such is oft the course of deeds that move the wheels of the world. Small hands do them because they must, while the eyes of the great are elsewhere. Yeah. So, out-of-game humility. We've talked about it some, right? Making sure everybody gets spotlight time, making sure to contribute to the story so that you're not, you're helping, you are part of it. And this is the part where I make it real hard for Grant to be humble because I'm going to throw him up as an example here. Oh, good. One of, one of the best examples of uh, humility at the gaming table is the facilitator GM, who is basically there to make sure that everybody enjoys themselves, who tries to make the game into not just an enjoyable experience, but kind of a, a bonding and enriching one for everybody at the table. And... The effort that the GM puts forth in planning, in rolling with the unexpected, peacemaking, in, you know, trying to call focus back to the game, benefits the players more than himself. Yes, he will he will get the enjoyment or she will get the enjoyment of running an enjoyable game, mm -hmm. but they're putting in more than they take out of it. I would maybe argue with that because as a GM, certainly I get a lot out of running a game. And I think that is kind of the rewards of this sort of humble relationship that I think GMing, GMing at its best encourages, right? At its worst, of course, it's a huge power trip. Yeah, and it's telling that that makes for a very unpleasant experience for everybody, in, including the GM who is eventually going to find himself bereft of a gaming group and possibly friends. 
Well, this is why I've turned in my games to being a whole lot more inter-party conflict, like, with people who I know can do it properly, because then, like, the spotlight is all on the players, and it's like, no, no, <laughs> you guys argue about how you're going to solve this problem, and then solve the problem. Yeah, the thing is, you don't even need a lot of inter-party conflict. I mean, I know I keep going back to our Shadowrun group, but those players don't fight with each other much. They make decisions in a very collaborative and cooperative fashion. They may have different ideas, but true, it never gets acrimonious. No, I, I, I don't think he's saying it's a prerequisite. Yeah. yeah, it was just one of the ways that I achieved that well, it, by turning the focus on the party. The GM has a whole world to play with, right? And when the players are interacting with NPCs and exploring the setting, the GM is kind of always partly there sharing the spotlight with the player. But, Brandon, I think you're right that when it's all about the players and their interactions, whether or not they're conflict sort of relationships or cooperative, even just, you know, moments of pure role-playing where everybody's talking and playing out a scenario, the GM doesn't have to be part of that at all. The GM's just sitting back and enjoying the scene that everybody has collaboratively oh, yeah. created. Which is actually part of the reason why I am not really getting 100% into the mystic imperium game that we're playing because it's a collaborative storytelling game where we're all the gms but i'm like but i do this all the time <laughs> when i gm like it's always collaborative storytelling and and now you want more out of me no i like like just being able to sit back and and when i need to i can step up and i'll stir the pot and then i'll just go back and all right <laughs> let's let's watch that how that happened i'm gonna throw this gunpowder into the mix all right Okay, so I've got a question for you all. Okay. Would you consider kind of the modern Vogue yes and style of gaming to be a humble GMing style? Or is that irrelevant to humility? It's it's not really relevant because it's all about the mindset you're approaching it with. I think it is a little more inherently humble perhaps than the no, that's not my game <laughs> style of well, that's clearly early prideful. 90s stereotypes of GMing, right? Uh, where, you know, the the GM is has an antagonistic relationship to the players and anything they suggest is wrong. Okay. Um, but at the same time... Well, just stop having players that have wrong ideas. I mean, well, gosh. I think the ultimate answer is stop having players and go write a play. Maybe write some fanfic. That'll do it. I, I think yes-anding, it's a tool that maybe opens you up for that. But I think it's easy to use that to manipulate people and end up somewhere very far afield from where somebody wants to really wants to be. Yeah, I it's, can it's see that. It's better than the alternative, perhaps, but it's, it doesn't solve the problem. Okay. But it does, I think, help people feel welcome in a game, right? It lays the groundwork for this collaborative approach that we always tend to recommend. And welcoming people into the game is something I did want to touch on. We've talked about it, you know, running the game and to a certain degree being a player simply as part of being a member of a gaming group. I think humility at the table is reflected very strongly in how you treat new people in that group. If somebody comes in and there's a, a hostile sort of relationship or a lot of in-jokes that people are kept out of and anything along those lines... What if there's a lot of in-jokes that you just want to die and the other people won't let them die? That's that's just normal nerd social dynamics. Yeah, just stop responding to them. <laughs> that usually helps. But when someone new joins the group, help them feel welcome. Don't try and 
do everything for them, facilitate what they want to do and understand what they want to get out of the game. You know, I don't mean, oh, make their character for them. I mean... Well, unless they specifically ask well, you to okay. help them Obviously, that. if that's what they need, like they have no idea what they're doing. Sure, if they're asking questions, be receptive to those questions, help them out, but give them leeway to try and find a place in the group. You need to respect everyone else at the table, too, obviously. Someone who wants to play Sauron as a member of the Fellowship of the Rings is... It's going to be a little weird. Eh, I think it could happen. It'd be a, I'm just saying it'd be a little weird and disruptive. But at the same time, if, if somebody's got an idea, don't just shut them down. Try and find a way to yes and it, Peter, and help it fit in. And it, it sounds kind of trite, but those first impressions matter a lot. I was listening to the latest episode of Happy Jacks. They were talking about just this issue with um, someone who'd found a new group and was just mistreated terribly. It's not the first time yeah. I've heard that sort of horror story. No, it, it seems like there's this bizarre cultural norm in some gaming circles, and it's not universal because I've never encountered it personally. But it's common enough that I've heard this same horror story way more times than I would think would be possible, that the new person just gets turned into the group's whipping boy for some amount of time. Well, it's bullying. And that's just not right. It's bullying. <laughs> Let, let's be blunt about it. Yeah, it it is bullying, but it's like I don't understand what's at the root of it. I mean, in a in a hobby that's so inherently collaborative, it seems antithetical to what you're trying to accomplish. It does. Human nature is what it is, It's I know, human nature. But... And I don't know that we can we have the time for that in this episode. No. But <laughs> human nature is maybe that's no. our next 14-part series. <laughs> yeah, there we go. I think within this like maybe half an hour we have left or less than half an hour we have left, we can totally get into explaining fully the human psyche. Yes. Let's go. Grant, what are your thoughts? Chapter one. No. Um, <laughs> but you're right, Peter. There's It's selfish, and it, oftentimes it's just cruel, right? I think that's ultimately the heart of it. It's cruelty. Yeah. But somebody who's genuinely thinking about others will make sure that that doesn't happen. Yeah. If nothing else, they'll certainly ensure that they're not part of it. Well, I, I think it goes beyond that. I don't think that's sufficient. Mm, I, the the one place that I'm going to argue with you there is they may not immediately be aware of it. Oh, sure. I'll grant you that. But once you are, I don't think you can just say, well... Yeah, there we're in full agreement, but... It wasn't me. I didn't do it. Th yeah, no, that, that's, that doesn't fly. Doesn't cut it. <laughs> yeah. And I can say that knowing full well... I've been the guy who sat there and said, well, it wasn't me. I don't think I'm calling myself blameless on that either. Yeah. But All right. Do we have anything else to talk about as far as humility? Not that I know. Okay. This one's perhaps a little short. It's December. It's December, and I'm a little brain dead. I'm not going to kid anybody here. <laughs> it's been a week. Hey, I work in retail. I feel your pain. You probably no. I you don't feel my pain. You feel back pain and shoulder pain and foot pain <laughs> and I've unloaded a truck pain. <laughs> I actually had a record-setting shipment today. Really, it was the largest shipment I've had in my entire seven years as the receiving manager. Oh my, that's impressive. Yeah, I've just been dealing with weird customer issues because that's software application support for you. So so all of the normal software application support, but with jingling in the background? Yes, added holiday stress. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway. I guess we'll wrap this one here, I folks. I think so. Again, Merry Christmas to all of you. 
um, yeah. for our Canadian Merry listeners. Christmas. Also, probably happy Boxing Day, because that comes right after. Probably even Happy New Year, because by the time the the next episode releases, it's going to be a ways after the New Year. That's true. I mean, this is going to drop right before the New Year. So Happy New Year to all of you. And I do want to thank everybody again for all of your help with the fundraiser we've been doing for the Bodana Group. It's important to the three of us. Certainly, it's important to the people that the Bodana Group helps. And you guys make a big difference. It's a small goal compared to like a a big United Way fundraising drive or a Child's Play charity, Penny Arcade runs that raises millions. But, you know, the couple hundred dollars that we raise for the Bodana Group, it makes a big impact because it's a small but very targeted donation that goes a long way. Yeah, and I think as long as we're we're sitting here thanking the listeners for stuff, I want to just thank you for being some of the nicest listeners that I've ever even heard of in podcasting. There are a few of you that I have met at conventions or that have gotten in touch with us on social media that I've had interactions with. And to a one, all of our listeners have just been delightful people to talk to and to interact with. So thank you, folks, for being awesome. Yeah. yeah. I've interacted with, I think, two people so far. They were pretty good. One of them said he was my biggest fan, so of course. Yeah, I mean, can't go wrong, right? Can't go wrong. Yeah. But no, you guys are awesome, and we really do appreciate all the support you give us. And yeah, I got nothing else to say. You guys humble us, I'll tell you that. And you rock. All right. Well, from all of us here at Saving the Game, have a good one. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And we will see you next episode. Night, everybody. Good night. This podcast episode is a production of Saving the Game and may be redistributed under a Creative Commons non-commercial, non-derivative license, so long as appropriate credit is given. Our music is by Ryan Humphrey. Saving the Game is syndicated through inroadsministries.com, rpgpodcasts.com, stitcher.com, and iTunes. To hear past episodes and to connect with us or our community of listeners, visit our website at savingthegamepodcast.org. God bless, and happy gaming.